You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Waddle, Waddle! Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown! Okay. It's Waddle! His sixth touchdown sixth pass touchdown of, the of the day. Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins... Now, let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it is preview day for at least one more week. We'll put the final game under the microscope as we look at Jets, Dolphins, position by position, the tail of the tape, the key stats, what's at stake. The three keys and the week 18 picks from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Much like last week, I don't feel much is needed here in the introduction section. We do know the deal by now. It's Dolphins and Jets, and it all comes down to this for the home team. I don't want to see the season end yet, man. Not this week. And we've got a chance to extend it with a win and some help from the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, presumably, against the New England Patriots. We also have a defeat from October to avenge here. And I personally remember all the smack talk that Jets fans, even their own social account, did to the Dolphins after that game. I remember the waddles they did after the game as well. So that's all in the back of my memory. And even though the Dolphins are not at full strength in this game, still really want to make that... uh, Avenge that loss, a game that was tight into the fourth quarter before the wheels just sort of fell off for the Miami Dolphins. And if there's one thing to learn here, both sides, it's just how long, long an NFL season is, which is kind of funny because it's also like the quickest four months on the calendar every year, isn't it? But it still feels like I was just writing my Patriots week one preview podcast the other day, but from one bookend to the next, another division rival here and everything on the line for week 18 it's just a reminder of how long these seasons actually are. Because if the Dolphins season feels like the Lord of the Rings trilogy or the Godfather trilogy, then it feels like the Jets season would be the other one of that. And actually, I looked up the run times on those two trilogies, and they're actually very close. So I guess my analogy on trilogies falls short. And by that, I mean, the other day somebody was referencing, I think it was the buff, the first Buffalo game to me, first three games of the season, the 3-0 start. And I said to that person, that feels like a different season than the one we're currently in. And the reason I said that and that the Jets season feels like longer of the two trilogies is because of the roller coaster ride they've experienced at that quarterback position as well. Obviously, we've been on a very similar ride, but to pull your former number two quarterback, get a spark from the backup, have to go back up to the number two pick only to go back to the backup and have him play his worst game of his career with that flak jacket in Seattle in an elimination game. It's exhausting just writing it all out. So not to mention they used Joe Flacco when Zach Wilson got hurt in the preseason. And then Chris Trevler had a cameo two weeks ago. Every NFL season has ups and downs. Every team deals with their own unique set of circumstances. For the Jets, they've ridden a top-level defense to a near 500 record this season. They are also on a five-game slide, though, one that has left them eliminated from playoff contention heading into this game with the Dolphins. But this is a team that saw a pretty similar flip from 2021 to 2022 
the Dolphins saw between 2019 and 2020. Tons of draft picks, a big free agent haul, and you really restocked the talent cupboard that was barren and now is like NFL level in one offseason. It's probably the second best rookie class behind Seattle. They've got free agent contributions everywhere between Jordan Whitehead, LaMarcus Joyner, DJ Reed, George Fant, Corey Davis. It's a competitive roster that's well coached, plays hard, and you have to imagine they'll be looking to play spoiler in this game. I recall our week 18 game last year being pretty fired up over that win, and it didn't even remove the Patriots from the playoffs. You know the Jets would love to do the exact same here. Let's go ahead and get into it. Dolphins offense versus Jets defense, and we start with the quarterback position and the Dolphins offense and the Jets safeties and their defense in general. And we don't know exactly who the quarterback will be at the time of this podcast, but we do know that Teddy Bridgewater was limited on Wednesday, and Coach even told us in his press conference that Bridgewater was unable yet to throw a football with that pinky dislocation. So we'll talk in vague terms about the position, but I do want to highlight a couple of player-specific things. And first, you know, McDaniel addressed this on Wednesday. Skyler playing as the starter with a week of reps versus coming off the bench cold has really been a night and day difference. And I, I look at this game, if we can get quarter one versus the Viking Skylar Thompson I like the Dolphins chances if we get off the bench against the Jets or the Patriots I don't it's as simple as that and there's other factors that are you know heavily weighing as well I think we saw in that Vikings game some off script plays there was some on time and in rhythm type of throws but I think the biggest difference in games like these where you don't have your QB1 and you're playing a team that has their own offensive struggles is the turnovers and like critical penalties that have just plagued Miami seemingly every single week going back to you know the, the San Francisco game. Can we go back to that moment, please? Take me back to the Trent Sherfield touchdown and just redo the rest of the <laughs> the rest of history there. And that was the difference against the Patriots, right? We turned it over twice. Patriots didn't. We had a critical illegal shift penalty that took us out of field goal range and a first and ten to third and long outside of field goal range. Those are paramount importance and in a game like this, in a game like last week. And if we see that happen again, it's hard to imagine overcoming those things for victory. It just, it just is. If we button those up, though, to me, it's, I would say it's in the bag. Don't turn it over. Don't ruin successful plays with needless penalties that you can easily correct by just lining up right. Make your field goals, and you'll beat this team. It sounds simple, but it's plagued this team all year long. Like when Tua was in there, he was so good that we were able to overcome them. You know, without him, we haven't been able to do that so far. And it's as simple as the third and 12 Skylar Thompson interception last week. That's a turnover. We've seen the same situation multiple times where a third and medium becomes third and long. I'm thinking back to the Detroit game. I think it happened twice in that game where third and seven became, or third and six became third and 11, third and seven became third and 12. And Tua would just dial up Tyreek and Jalen and get the first down regardless. Avoid those, and we'll win this game, in my opinion. I also think we saw those examples in New England when Skyler first came in, looked a little bit disjointed, not on time, but as the game went on, he fell into a rhythm and played faster in that game, which is what we saw against the Vikings. So to facilitate a plan like that, again, that's got to be the key. Now, the Jets' defense is no joke. Neither was the Patriots. They've slumped a little bit over this losing streak, and it's been most notable in the takeaway department. And that's how these teams with bad offenses win in 2022, right? It's why I've argued for three years now that championship rare level type of defensive production is just not sustainable. We saw it happen here. High powered offense though is. And hell, to go further, my point is that the NFL defenses are essentially as good as the offense they're playing against in that you're not going to go 17 weeks and play lockdown defense all year. 
you won't play a you know high wire type of offense all year either. But just look at the two comparatively. And look at us last year. Completely erased all those backup quarterbacks we saw in bad offenses. Mike Glennon, Ian Book. Who the hell else was it? Who cares? Gold jacket, green jacket. Joe Flacco was one of them. It's easy to stat pad against teams like that. But then you face a team with real weapons and real firepower. Different story. That's why the Buffalo Bills beat us by 3,000 points last year. So the Jets' offense is really bad. But they won games because of things that are not sustainable, right? Elite defense week in and week out, aided by turnovers through their 7-4 and four start, 15 takeaways over the five-game slide, just one. So protect the damn ball. As far as their approach, it's aggressive. They play one gap, they penetrate and move the pocket while playing excellent coverage on the perimeter. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed has been the best perimeter corner duo in football, and I don't think it's close. We'll get to that in a moment. Here's how they align defensively. 34 defense is 4.5%. 43 is 25%. So they stay in that base quite a bit. Their nickel defense is 65%, and they operate from dime 5% of the time. So they have some good mix there. Their pre-snap structure, they have 24 plays and zero coverage. They have single high safety 56% of the time and a two high structure 43% of the time. They blitz 14.9% of their snaps. That's the lowest rate in football, but their pressure rate is ninth at 23.7. So got to block their front four. Curious to see if that's how it goes in this one. You have to earn single high, right? We talk about it all the time. And those numbers are not specific to situation, but they've played pretty well this year to the point of forcing teams into situations that allow them to get to too high. They're also super stout up front, which helps dictate that portion of the game. And back in week five, we saw those numbers tilted significantly the other way. They were too high against Miami, specifically on 60% of their snaps, and that was Raheem's first 100-yard day of the season. So obviously, if they play it that way, you have to have success running the football. And just to bring it back to the quarterback situation, really, I don't think my focus in terms of keys, like you know, playing smart, executing what's available, and protecting the football uh, you know, that's true for either Teddy or Skyler. And that's why I thought we got through two and a half quarters in New England and it produced a 14-10 lead with the football. And if we hang on to that, we are currently in the playoffs right now and don't have to worry about it. We can rest guys this week. But then a defensive score tilts the game. We can't let that happen again. If it happens, you're going to lose. That's that's how it, that's how it's going to go. At safety for the Jets, LaMarcus Joyner was back last week, but he re-aggravated the hip injury that had him miss two games prior. Tony Adams replaced him to pair up with Jordan Whitehead on the back end. And those guys have both struggled mightily all year long. And here lies where the Dolphins have to get after them. Whitehead doesn't take good angles in pursuit, and he misses a lot of tackles. Whether it's the backs or Waddle and Tyreek making guys miss in space, we need some yards after contact and after the catch in this one. Whitehead uh, being targeted 22 for 32 for 283 this year, two tutties and two picks. Adams just three for four and 31 yards. They go with Adams over Ashton Davis, a player I was very high on out of the draft, but I obviously missed that one. And uh, yeah, Joyner's out of the lineup as well. So they go to Tony Adams and, and Will Parks is not there either. And you can see the two high structure plan based on their snaps Sunday. Whitehead played 32 snaps in the post, which was half of his workload. But then Tony Adams played 38 of his 60 up there as well. So even more too high than we're used to. And again, that's not facing Tyreek and Jalen. Speaking of those guys, receivers and tight ends versus corners. I mentioned Sauce and Reed. There's a chart that I saw the other day that showed all primary perimeter cornerbacks for their yards per target allowed and forced incompletions by target. And Sauce was up in the corner of the chart on his own planet. Remember all those charts this year 
and it's still that way because he was still very productive and very, very effective this year. But those charts with Tua way up in that right-hand corner, away from even Mahomes and Allen, that's where Sauce is on this chart. He might be the best cornerback in the league already, which is absolutely crazy. And also in that quadrant of the graph, only 14 other corners are there. One of them is DJ Reed. So this is the best cornerback tandem we'll see. Sauce is aggressive. He's long. He's a playmaker. Teams have just opted to not throw at him. He had the pick in the first game against us, you know, just winning at the top of the route and playing through the wide receiver. And then Reed has been really good as well. And he brings the same style of play. He is aggressive and has a big bark. A big key this week, you need to utilize that pre-snap motion, use bunches and stacks and shifts to get free releases from 10 and 17. But if you do that, you got to get the calls in quick because it's been costing us timeouts and penalties. Cannot have it this week. Can't not do it. But if you can get clean releases, I like 10 and 17 against anybody, even the best. Their splits this season, they play off coverage 80% of the time. So screen game, quick game, maybe they press 20% of the time, primarily a zone defense on the back end. And again, we saw tons of that in the week five game, which you know is pretty status quo to deal with 10 and 17 on balance for teams this year. But they also run a ton of hybrid coverages where it's, you know, Front side zone, backside man, vice versa. They don't travel. Reed is the right cornerback. Sauce is the left cornerback. But this that does change sometimes in the red zone as they play more man principles and draw specific assignments down in that area of the field. So that's good on good, but it's only part of the matchup. We've seen Sherfield involved. We saw Craycraft back last week. We've seen Cedric Wilson get some chances here and there. And a lot of this is handled by, you know, linebackers and safety combinations handling zones in the middle of the field. So that's where I want to go after. Like, their strength is on the perimeter. Our strength is inside. Let's go after that, right? So whether you're getting it to them when the play breaks down off structure or if it gets out hot, I do think it's plausible to see elevated production from the backs and tight ends. We saw Teddy take his share of checkdowns in the game on Sunday, and Skyler <laughs> certainly did too. It's tough to identify a weakness at this position for the Jets because uh, the slot cornerback Michael Carter has been really damn good too. So we'll get to the backs in a moment, but teams have had success utilizing the Jets' aggressiveness against them in terms of those whams and chips. Uh, show the quarterback your numbers and dump it off. Leaks, delayed drags. Remember last year in the game, Adam Shaheen converts a critical third and one on that first drive with a delayed drag route going against the flow of play action. All hands on deck, man. Like those are the kind of things we have to get done, execute, and just find a way to win the damn football game. Uh, numbers this year, Gardner, 30 for 69. Our team's throwing at him. One touchdown, two picks. Reed, 43 for 79. They are really good, man. 426 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. And then Michael Carter, 51 of 73 for 498, a touchdown and a pick. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back on the other side and get to the offensive line, defensive line, Dolphins offense, Jets defense. That's next, Draft Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Dolphins O-line, Jets D-line, picking it back up here with your Dolphins and Jets Week 18 preview. It's all on the line for your Miami Dolphins. We'll see what we have here in terms of players available. Hopefully, Teron Armstead can get back out there because you just feel the difference and the impact that he makes. 
Like the wheels keep falling off when we don't have Tehran at left tackle on the offensive line. And it was okay with Kendall Lamb, but then after he went down, that's when they came back off again. And Lamb's not going to be available this week. So come on, T-Stead, we need you, big dog. Um, you know, there was a lot of protection breakdowns in that week five game and, the, and you know, situations where we had to pass. And that's, that's why starting fast is going to be a key. Spoiler alert here. I don't think we can just let this Jets defense get into a multi-score lead scenario. That game featured the most pressures allowed in a game this year and obviously two fourth quarter turnovers. The guys they go, they call upon on the edge position, Carl Lawson, 46 pressures. He leads all edge defenders and 18 run stops. And this is why T-Stead needs to play. We cannot afford to, to, to give him anyone besides Tron Armstead. I'll just say that. Uh, Bryce Huff, 32 pressures, three run stops. He is a, a, a situational sub-package pass rusher, although I know Jets fans want to see a lot more of him. And then Jermaine Johnson hasn't been very effective. 12 pressures, 19 run stops. On the interior uh, Quinnen Williams, 50 pressures, leads the team actually in 31 run stops. Franklin Myers, 46 pressures, 22 run stops. And then Sheldon Rankins, 23 and 25. Those guys can all play that quasi end role too. Like they're all kind of in that Wilkins and Sealer mold. They play all over the line. Well, Will- Williams and Franklin Myers, Rankins is more inside. But if we can win the matchup, man, this is the strength of their team. And they play so, so aggressively. Meanwhile, I think two of the guys we have that have been best all year are Hunt and Williams, and they did a good job cutting those guys off at the pass, ceiling, reaching, all that fun stuff. We'll see what they do at left guard, but it was Liam Eikenberg last time around. Bottom line, if you can't, you just, you just can't lose on early downs. Can't do it and allow these guys to wreak havoc uh, the way they have all year. The Seahawks ran for 198, and it allowed them to control the entire game. Like Obviously, running for 200 yards is great, and I'm not saying you have to do that because you usually don't do that, but getting rushing production... It's going to be a huge key in this game because of the defense you're facing, but also because of your own injury situation. And to that point, running backs and linebackers, to me, the game plan is simple. Run the football, run it more, and then run it some more. Then throw at anybody besides Sauce and Reed. Don't even give them a chance to take it away. Just play safe. Like, I don't trust the Jets' offense to score more than 10 or 13 points in this game. And maybe that means we find different ways to create matchups for Tyreek and Jalen, you know, but maybe it means needing more support from the other cast more. We need 150 yards on the ground. That's kind of my, my barometer to win this game. And we need completions against their back, backers, safeties, and slots. That's the vulnerability. That's where you attack. Now, can Raheem repeat his 100-yard day from week number five? And also, we didn't have Jeff Wilson in that game. A good dose of both and a successful ground game would go a long way towards winning this one. And the Jets, as we've mentioned, they play a lot of too high. And they try to win with their front. And they should. It's very good. But we also saw Seattle run the ball very well last week. And it was really in the same vein that we found success with back in week five, running wide. And the reason they do this is because they compromise the edges to really get interior pressure, force the quarterback to deal with that, and just try to clog things up inside. And they want you to, they want you to get wide. Like that's their, that's their focus. So oblige them and run those whams, run those traps, run those chips. Kenneth Walker had that 60-yard run off a compromised edge to get their offense going. C.J. Mosley is excellent against the run. He leads the team with 48 run stops. Actually had a nice year in coverage, too, 49 for 79 for 494, a touchdown and a pick. And I would still I would still favor some of our running backs against him in coverage. And he and Quincy Williams have actually been really good together. They never blitz. They have the lowest rate in the NFL, but they both fit the run and handle a running back tight end coverage responsibility fairly well. Uh, tough task this week for Miami, but any chances that we can create mismatches inside would be really nice. It always is. But getting those matchups opposed to those two guys on lockdown corners would obviously be a big boon. Run the football, throw to the backs. It's a big week for these guys. The Jets don't put a lot of emphasis you know, in the run game or against the edge, like they, they want to, 
win with their guys in one-on-one matchups. So to find a way to win against the offensive line one-on-one would be a huge key this week. And man, I just wish we had gotten to see Tua attack this defense because it's a lot like the Niners where they don't have those, the difference is they don't have those freaks at the linebacker position to take away some of that stuff they did in that game. It's why I think we could have swept this team with no issues if we had our quarterback for both, but we don't and we didn't. So we'll see. The Seahawks ran for nearly 200 yards in their game, six for 83 off left end, 11 for 37 off right end. That's 18 for 120 combined, man. In week five, we had five for 36 off left end and seven for 34 off right end. That's 12 for 80. That would go a long way to winning the football game, especially because of what it does to our play-action boot game. Let's go ahead and go Dolphins defense, Jets offense. It'll be Mike White under center for the Jets. First time we've ever seen him. He replaced Zach Wilson a couple of months ago, played pretty well, had that rough game in Buffalo where he showed you how tough he was, and he's showing you how tough he is this week and last week by playing you know, through the rib injury. A lot of respect for him, what he's doing, especially in this game that doesn't mean anything for the Jets. Uh, what's the book on this guy, though? Well, I'll tell you, and I'm really curious to see how we defend it because what he doesn't do well is what we don't do, just on our numbers, you know. Against the Blitz, 66%, 9.6 yards per pass, one touchdown, two picks. When he's not blitzed, somehow that goes down to 57%, a nine-point reduction. Six yards per attempt, a 3.6-yard reduction, two touchdowns, two picks. Look, I'm going to be blunt about this again. This is an offense for the Jets that has scored one touchdown in four weeks. It's terrible. It's been terrible. The entire line is beat to S. The line can't protect. The quarterback is not playing well. Their top back is out, and they haven't had success without him, and they've got one productive wide receiver. And look at those numbers. It's, it's time for the front four to go win a game. Go win a game. Go sack this dude four times. Turn them over four, four times, three times. I don't know. I put four, but let's, let's go with three or two. Make him feel that pressure and win the game. That's got me thinking, what do the Seahawks do specifically against Mike White? They blitzed him nine times. He went six for nine with 70 yards and a pick. They did not blitz him 37, check that, 41 times, and he went 17 for 37 with a buck 70 and a pick. And all four of the Seahawks sacks came without blitzing. Got it? Get it to your skull. Season-long depth splits, 20-plus yard passes, 5 of 16, 112, one touchdown and three picks, 10 for 19, uh, 10 to 19 yard throws, 26 for 45, 557, and two touchdowns. When he's pressured, 41.5%, 6.9 yards per pass, one TD, two picks, a 23% completion reduction, but same YPA. Pressure him with four, and you'll beat him. It's that simple. Usually it is, but against this quarterback in particular, it's really the case. Uh, They run 11 personnel 69% of the time. Nice. They operate from 12 personnel 22% of the time, and they go two backs, one tight end 4% of the time, and they have pretty good variety. They actually ran uh, better than 2% from 0-2 personnel. That's no backs and two tight ends. That's a cool formation, three receivers, two tight ends. Uh, 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends, and 21 personnel. It's Mike LaFleur, so it's off the Shanahan tree. Lots of pre-snap motion. They rank top 10 in that category. Lots of eye candy in the running game and quarterback boot game off of that. It'll be interesting to see how they attack and how they move Mike White. I don't know if you saw the Seahawks game. I'm talking about it a lot here. But he wore military-grade flak jacket. And he just did not look the same. The ball came off his hand differently. He seemed a little bit gun-shy under duress at times. And Jets fans talked about a couple drops that happened early that they felt like he kind of 
got worse after that, like a lack of trust, which I hope is the case going into this game. And that's why this defense must, must, must go get it done. Like, I'm going to keep talking about it. You have to do what you did to the Patriots in the second and third quarter. Flush out the opening drive and that clinching drive. Hold this team to 10 points, man. It's doable. They're a dead man walking offense. Do not let them score multiple touchdowns on you. Do that. Don't let them score on defense. And we'll make the playoffs. Simple as that. White wants to hit the top of his drop and get the ball out. If you can disrupt them early and given their struggles getting the ball deep, maybe it's achievable. I don't know. But disrupting the early timing, forcing him off that first read, pressuring with four, that feels like the ticket here. Hopefully we get X and Chubb back. My prediction is that Chubb, Wilkins, and Phillips go win this game for the Dolphins, if they are allowed to. I thought White did his darndest to get the ball in some tight windows last week, and it cost him. The Jets had one of the lowest separation totals in the league last week, uh, next-gen stats, and you saw White fitting some passes in, but he eventually was picked off. And if you can locate where he wants to go pre-snap, you can do the same. I, I sure hope we find a way to free up Javon Holland in this game. Between not needing the blitz and the Jets failing to do anything downfield all year, it's a good chance to put eight in some playmaking situations. At receiver, tight end, slash cornerback, Garrett Wilson has been as good as they come as a rookie. He's a polished route runner who's just a good football player. That's just a good show. Everybody loves Raymond. He catches everything, competes his ass off, and has shown that he can play with NFL corners time and time again. Hopefully we get X back. If not X, you have to imagine Cater gets some action against him. Cater has been so good this year, particularly in the slot. Wilson has played there 40% of his snaps. Barrios is a top slot guy 60% of the time, but we can't afford to put X or Cater on him because that's that's too many resources to that guy. Uh, those resources got to go to Wilson for my money, Elijah Moore. Uh, targets, Wilson has 122. Conklin, the tight end, has 80. And then Elijah Moore has 58. Corey Davis, 55. The running back, Michael Carter, 45. Barrios, 31. And CJ Uzama, 26. So it's basically Wilson and Conklin. Uh, those are your guys. Like, and Conklin lines up attached, does a lot of his work in multifaceted roles where he's a touchdown maker and pretty effective where he works off of chips, releasing into the route. He's a good blocker in the running game, which plays into White getting the ball out fast. So that seems like a good role to me for Eric Rowe, but we shall see. Last time we played, Conklin got just one target on Jerome Baker and no catches in the game. Uh, Uzama was kind of the tight end one at the time, but he's kind of transitioned back to the tight end two. The key here to me is more team-based than matchup-based. Find a way to disrupt the quick throws and win your four-man fronts with one-on-ones, and you'll have lots of success, which takes us to O-line versus D-line. Let's go ahead and take our second break, though, and come back and do that on the other side. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Two more position groups and specialists and what's at stake in three keys and week 18 picks. That's still to come here. Let's go ahead and talk about Jets offensive line, Dolphins defensive line, and the pressure numbers and pass blocking snaps. For Dwayne Brown, 23 on 450, but he didn't practice on Wednesday. Lakin Tomlinson, 31 on 678. Uh, Connor McGovern, 24 on 677. So those two guys have played all year, but the injuries at Brown for, for left tackle, right guard, and right tackle have been you know substantial. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tarnif, nine pressures on 51 snaps, just one, one game last week. Uh, Fant, 57, rather 27 pressures, 372 
uh, pass block snaps. They've had injuries all year at this position, uh, big, you know, bringing in Duvernay Tardif to play right guard. The Seahawks were able to get to you know get constant pressure, limit the Jets' running game. That's what Miami has to do in this game. Both those tackles are bigger players, so finding ways for our guys to get two-way goes, you know, where you can kind of ISO them out, slide protection, and you get Bradley Chubb against Dwayne Brown, who's who's a little bit older and you know heavy-footed this this stage of his career. And George Fant's always been that way off the right tackle position. So if you get protection slides where Phillips is, or, or you know, or even Ingram or Van Ginkle or Chubb is one-on-one, we gotta win those. Gotta find a way to win those. Um, just get consistent pressure. And then as you expect, you know, each week, Wilkins needs to put Duvernay Tardif to school, like beat him every single snap. You should. Uh, their left guard was a big free agent signing who hasn't worked out, and their tackles are slow, and the center is a career journeyman. So you need to whip them up front. Last time around, we did get pressure, but Zach Wilson was able to evade a lot of that. White is not as fleet of foot, but he's more willing to pull the trigger on time. Fascinating matchup and one that the Dolphins have to go get. We finish up at running back and linebacker. And Zonovan Knight has been kind of the go-to since the Brees Hall injury. He's averaging 2.88 yards after contact with 28 forced missed tackles. The Seahawks did not let him get going, and that's a key. By that, I mean early penetration, hit him before he can explode through his gap. Miami has been so sound in that department all year. You need it again. As for the linebackers, I think it's a big game for Alandon Roberts because of that run game and the need to slow it. He's been playing some of his best ball, and Miami will need him to play fast and aggressive as usual. And when Michael Carter comes into the game, you got to be prepared for his involvement in the passing game. Their, their split uh, favors zone, 186 to 131, so they've run a little bit of both of those. Special teams, Jason Sanders, 23 for 29. He's missed three PATs as well. The four misses from 50-plus, one from 40 to 49, and one from under 29. Uh, Morstead's down to 3.5% touchback rate, and his inside the 20-yard line rate, 46%. He's also at 40.7 net. All those numbers improved last week. Good game last week. Uh, Greg Zerline for the Jets has six misses. Maybe we can get someone to miss a field goal against us this year, opposed to the other way around. Four from 50-plus and two from 40 to 49. He's 28 for 34. Just miss a couple kicks, Greg. Come on, help us out. He's made 28 of 29 PATs, and then Braden Mann has a 10.3% touchback rate inside the 20-yard line rate of 30%, averaging 40.3 net. What's at stake in this game? Uh, everything, the entire season. You don't win, there's no Week 19. That's it. Three keys, limit mistakes. It's going to be one in the margins. We didn't win in the margins against the Patriots, and we lost the game. You have to do it this week. These are two teams that are really limping into this game. Win in those margins, and you should win the game. Number two, start fast. The Jets get a two-score lead in this game. I don't want to see what happens to that defense against this offense. Let's go ahead and keep it a closer game or get a lead ourselves and then do to them what we don't want them to do to us. Start fast. And then number three, win your one-on-ones up front on the offensive line. If they can find a way to handle somehow Quinn and Williams and Sheldon Rankins and John Franklin Myers, they're going to do just fine. If you can find a way to limit those guys from wrecking the game, you should win this game. Those are the three keys. Limit mistakes, start fast, and win your one-on-one matchups on the offensive front. My Week 18 picks. We went 12-3 and last week. We are now 178-77-2. That is 69.8%. And that means if we go 12-4 and this week, we hit the goal of 70%. And technically, this should be the easiest week, right? Because we have 17 weeks of evidence on these teams. We have lots of games that have, you know, weighted motivation for one side. We have plenty of games that probably won't see starting quarterbacks. So can we get 12 wins? That's what we need. Here are the winners. Chiefs over Raiders. Jags over Titans. Dolphins over Jets. And Bills over Patriots. You know what that means. It'd be playoffs. Bengals over Ravens. I'll take the Browns over the Steelers. Texans over the Colts. That might cost them the first pick if that happens, right? I think. Uh, The Vikings over the Bears, who are starting Nathan Peterman. 
There you go. Tampa over the Falcons. The Saints over the Panthers. The Cardinals are starting uh, David Blau. Give me the Niners in that one. Cowboys over Wargernon. Give me the Chargers over the Broncos. The Seahawks over the Rams. The Eagles over the Giants. And the Packers over the Lions. That's the podcast, everybody. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice. Uh, we're going to go ahead and suspend the Twitter Spaces show for another week, or we already have. You didn't hear it last night, so I'll maybe back with you guys next week. We'll see. Check out the uh, post-game show on 560, the international podcast here in the network. Check out the Dolphins YouTube channel for all the media availabilities, Dolphins Today, Fish Tank, and Drive Time content. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline and Cameron, daddy.